Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Caleb Zdre. Today we're discussing Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a movie that I think surprised everyone. We'll also say a little bit about The Many Saints of Newark and The Guilty. But first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. We've got five trailers to start with. First up, Paul Thomas Anderson's new coming-of-age drama, Licorice Pizza. It's theaters on November 26th. Uh, you get a chance to see this one, or is this one just not up your alley? No, I actually saw this one. I like. I actually like P.T. Anderson a lot. Really? That's a surprise. Okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to surprise you with this one. Yeah, most Oscar-nominated directors, people who make you know hardcore dramas like this, I usually assume you just kick them to the curb. But okay. I've actually really grown to like P.T. Anderson. I like a lot of his movies. Sweet. Well, what did you think of Licorice Pizza? I thought it looked really good. It looked a lot like his style that I'm used to. And um, but again, being a fan of his prior work, I like his style. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he does with this. Great cast. Looks like it'll be another standard, uh, another good trauma with good comedic moments of his in it. So I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see this. I'm prompted to see that um, he's working with Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, uh, Cooper Hoffman. I think that's really cool to continue that legacy. Uh, yeah. A PTA film is kind of an, um, an experience. You know, he does one every like four or five years. So uh, this is going to be a big deal. I know Austin's losing his shit over this one. Uh, no surprise. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. Big, uh, big splash at next year's Oscars, most likely. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, without a doubt, it'll be. I'm, I'm excited. I think uh, the last film of his I really, really liked. Um, the Master. Yeah, The Master. I'm was... learning all sorts of stuff about you today. Cool. Yeah, I was a real, real big fan of The Master. I just thought that movie between, I think mainly because I just, I loved watching Philip Seymour Hoffman and um, Joaquin Phoenix act against each other. It was so out of this world amazing. And yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I think he did uh, Inherent Vice, right? That was the one that you and me saw. I yeah. mainly that was one I was not as into. Um, I remember actually being really disappointed because I liked P.T. Anderson so much. And I was just like, fuck, I did not like this movie. Um, at that time, I had only seen Boogie Nights, so I didn't really know him as a filmmaker. Uh, it might be actually worth it to revisit that film. Uh, it's been a long time. I've I've got a lot more background knowledge on him and Joaquin and all the people involved. So maybe I, you know, maybe we might like it a little bit more now. Yeah, maybe you know, I'm gonna give it a second chance, but yeah, I'm 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 real excited for this movie. I was not expecting to surprise you with my love for PT Anderson. Yeah, that's a. That's a that's awesome. I love that. We've um he's a director. I'm surprising. Like we've only explored one time on Oscar Sunday, and that was when we did Boogie Nights. Uh, but I know that you know hmm? great fucking movie. I love Boogie oh, fantastic. Nights. That's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Uh, I mean, just to, I mean, personally, to find out, you know, Heather Graham played a porn star. I I was all over that. Uh, yeah, you know what's funny? I remember for a long time, people would be like, God, oh, Julian Moore's she's so so hot, so beautiful. And I was like, Okay, I mean, she's not bad looking, but I don't get what people are going on about raving about. And then I watched Boogie Nights and went, This is probably where people are raving this this movie, and I kind of get it now. Yeah, that movie has one of my all-time favorite uh 
greetings in movie history when Mark Wahlberg's character meets the uh, the big porno producer guy, and the guy just says, "Hi, nice to meet you. I heard you got a great big cock." <laughs> I I love that. Just yeah, right to the point. This is <laughs> this industry. Um, so yeah, uh, that was a blast, and uh, I'm sure you know Austin wants to do Magnolia. And there will be blood and Phantom Thread, and just the, the master. I know for sure. Uh, the Roby Blood's good. I've been meaning to watch Phantom Thread. That one I haven't had a chance to see yet. Uh, I want to see that. I do. I really like the Roby Blood. You know, yeah. I love the line, "Hi, hey, calf, your milkshake." Yeah, it's great. He's a he's he's a, he's a powerhouse, and I'm glad to see he's got a new one. It looks a little bit more lighthearted, but you know, that could be a a smoke screen for something truly heartbreaking. We'll see. If anything, it reminded me kind of like a Boogie Night. So it might be like really lighthearted at the beginning and then goes on a real dark route towards the end. I'm wondering what the title means because it was called Soggy Bottom up until like a few months ago and now it's Ligorous Pizza. So I don't know. Um, next up, the, tr- the new trailer for Netflix's Western epic, The Harder They Fall, hits Netflix October 22nd. Uh, this looks badass. I'm 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 excited for this. I for, I didn't even check out this show. For some reason, this trailer just keeps eluding me. Well, I'll make a note and watch it after the episode, of course. It's uh, Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield, Regina King, Jonathan Majors, Delroy Lindo, uh, Zazie Beetz. Just an incredible cast, and it looks really unique and exciting. And I know it's Netflix, but he, they do have the occasional win. They, yeah, they get the occasional win. It's just, unfortunately, their quantity of a quality mantra. Um, now, I'll check out the trailer. I did, it's not, I'm not going on my way to miss this trailer twice now. It's more like, I'm actively, like, between Blaze Cousin and IGN, I do write down, like, every single fucking trailer that they report. So, I'm like, in case. So, so I'm prepared now in the future for this show. I got it. But somehow they have not, neither one's been reporting that episode. Uh, well, that trailer. You might want to add Netflix like themselves to your to your uh, search engine there, because I think that they tend to, you know, keep to themselves when it comes to announcing their stuff. I think it's more like they just announce so much shit that it's hard for anyone to keep track. I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job. Okay. <laughs> just saying. I mean, I, I always have them. Yeah, we're also not reporting on all the freaking uh, all the video game competitions or whenever there's like cons going on and all that stuff. Mainly, we're not reporting on that. Like a lot of other sites have to. Like when Netflix did their Tadome event, like the sites had to cover all the fucking trailers that came out of that. I know. I love not having to worry about anything but movies. It's it's quite freeing. Yeah, so like I don't blame them because they do cover a lot of shit, and some companies are like get ready for a weekend filled of fucking trailers. And you're like, oh god damn it. <laughs> um, actually, ironically, uh, the next up is the full trailer for Netflix's Army of Thieves, the wholly unwanted prequel to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Hits Netflix October 29th, and I actually have gone out of my way to not watch this. <laughs> I have seen this. <laughs> How's it look? Uh, it looks like more of the same, just without the zombies. Um, who wants that? Who wants that? Yeah, uh, I'm not interested in this movie. It, I look, I'm not on that Zack Snyder fan wagon that's happened since he ever touched a DC film. 
And I didn't think Army of Dead was good at all. I don't understand the people that are like, ooh, it's just dumb fun. I'm like, no, I've seen dumb fun zombie films that are only an hour and a half long. Um, not two and a half. But uh, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I didn't need this prequel. I don't want this. This character did not make me like go, I can't wait to see his own movie when I saw Army of the Dead. Like, I just don't want it. I don't, I'm more interested in the fucking animated uh, show prequel because that sounds like it's going to give me what I wanted which was the whole like five minute segment that I really like the title sequence of Army of the Dead but into like an animated zombie carnage mayhem that sounds a lot more entertaining I can't believe how fast this went into production like we got you know Army of Dead or Army of the Dead early excuse me earlier this year and we already have a, another one like where is this you know fervor for this universe i don't i i, I saw Mar- army of the dead we talked about it i i stopped thinking about it not once did i go back to that movie thinking like i really wish we'd get more of the weird german safe cracker guy like no i mean i've been very vocal on this podcast especially about how much i want to stop having to talk about Zack snyder and i can't seem to get away from that he keeps popping back up with his shitty over the top <laughs> super slow-mo movies and i don't i don't get it i don't get who's watching this i don't get where the fan love comes from i just want it to stop it's almost like ever since you know michael bay got called out finally got you know reprimanded by hollywood because with the whole movement and his shit get, came out to the forefront and now if people have kind of like stopped giving shit to him. They're like, oh, let's just jump over to the next best thing, Zack Snyder, who does essentially the same type of films. Yeah, except he actually thinks that he's making the you know amazing movies. Michael Bay knew he was making dog shit, but he just kept doing it for the money. Yeah, Zack Snyder making- is Michael Bay with a with a brain, and I don't like that. Yeah, and what kills me is the fans are like they'll shit on Michael Bay films, but then like love Zack and talk how. How great and amazing his films are! Like he is literally like, like he is like a Michael Bay light in my opinion. Yeah. But it's like, like, yeah, good. Okay, so because Michael Bay knows what who he is and the kind of movies he makes, there's a decent amount of films of his I do enjoy because he knows how to make dumb fun films. Dumb yeah. fun films. Yeah, I'll watch Armageddon or The Rock anytime. Yeah, I'll but, watch a fucking Transformers film over any of these recent Zack Snyder films. Yeah, maybe. I I got mixed feelings about those movies. I, uh, I, I'm one of those that will defend the first three. I'll admit, I'm in that for, I'm, I'll defend the first three. I can admit it. Fair enough. Uh, well, since we've recently had an epiphany about what we want to talk about on this show, uh, don't expect Army of Thieves anytime soon. Uh, in fact, we might do like a, you know, Zack Snyder, worst to best, or something like that. Oh boy! I think we've seen everything at this point. Yeah, yeah. I've either seen everything or almost everything. I want to say I've seen everything. Yeah, against my will for most of it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a new Batman movie. Of course, I'm going to go see it. It's Justice League on the big screen. Of course, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. It's, just, it's that kind of shit, you know? A zombie movie in the early days of this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Oh. Yeah, the only ones I saw, you know, of my own volition were 300, Watchmen, and Sucker Punch. And I regret Sucker Punch big time. That was oh, such okay. a waste of time. I, I do like 300 and uh, Watchmen a lot. 
I do too. I do too. Well, yeah, I remember I stopped doing Sucker Punch, and I remember I was actually excited. I was like, oh, okay, so he's done like you know this adaptive stuff that I've liked, but now he's doing his own thing. All right, let's see what he does. And I watched it actually with my family because it was like PG 13. We're like, hey, let's watch, let's check out Sucker Punch. It should be fun. And all of us just kind of looked at each other like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> and just like that, we've talked about Zack Snyder again. God damn it. It's the last time. It's the last time for a while. It's not. That's the thing. You know, it's not. I did. I can't just go out of my way to avoid him because then it just, you know, I feel like I'm missing a piece of news. So I have to, I got to say something. <laughs> yeah, because Netflix is banking hard on Snyder. So many filmmakers out there, so much more deserving of a deal with Netflix. <laughs> Why does it have to be this guy? Ugh. God damn it. Uh, next up, the new trailer for Disney's Encanto. It's theaters November 24th. And this looks cute, pretty, you know, familiar fare with Disney. But there's, I know a lot of people have a beef with Disney. A uh, new friend of mine, for example, despises Disney and everything they stand for, which I respect. But, you know, she loves The Lion King and Hunchback of Notre Dame because who doesn't? But um, as a company, yeah, they're fucking pure evil. But as artists, the work is great. I was going to say, what brought up the beef with Disney? <laughs> What brought up her beef with Disney? Yeah. Um. What? 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 What's her? What's her issue? <laughs> what? It's happened? just she hates um that they've monopolized everything. She's she said buying 20th Century Fox was the like the worst thing that like could have happened in film because of how much they take now, and they own Futurama, her favorite show. That's and, fair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But see, that's a legit reason. I know won't name them but i've texted you uh people i'm aware of that don't like disney for this outlandish they're owned by china and they're trying to bring communism to america no i I love that her beefs are genuine beefs (laughs) like there's no you know conspiracy theory bullshit it's always like that makes sense i'd hate them too yeah like that's legit not what i've been hearing so and i want to sit there when they're telling me this and be like they're not owned by china they're an american company like they are trying to play into the Chinese market because it's a huge uh, box office returns there, but they've yeah. been having issues with that very recently, mainly thanks to Milan. Yeah, and you know what? They're not the only studio doing that. Everybody is trying to appeal to China because they're like you know forty percent of the global population, so yeah. <laughs> that's worth you know in their minds. But yeah, I, I get why people would have problems with Disney and their the way they run things. But again, the I like to value the work, and the work is worth talking about. Yeah, I value the work, and like, don't get me wrong, I was terrified when I heard about that, like, because I knew, and I knew the reason Disney did it was for X Men. Yeah, it was literally just for that, and like, I was terrified because I'm like, oh god, it's the same reason I was terrified when Prime got you know MGM. I'm like, oh, this is getting scary. To Disney's credit, um, they've actually haven't really done a lot to stifle 20th century like they've actually i don't know if anyone's been paying attention but they've kept 20th century alive to do more adult stuff without it being a disney movie so they're doing a lot of like still r-rated stuff under 20th century it's just not called fox anymore i mean i I know that sucks but at least they're still doing that they do have the simpsons on disney plus like 
that's not a kid's show yet. It's all 32 seasons as of now because they're advertising it. When I got on there and watched that Lego special, um, they're advertising that they have all 32 seasons of Simpsons. So they're not stifling what's already being made. They're act- they announced an alien show on FX, which might be the honestly might be the best fucking thing to happen considering Ridley Scott hasn't done good with the last two movies in my opinion. And they're all working on new programming. So they're doing a lot of stuff that I'm excited for. And I'm, and there doesn't look like they're getting actively involved to stifle it. So, I mean, you know, it sucks, but they're not exactly stifling the company. Well, like I said, the work, you know, I mean, what they've done with the Mandalorian and with Marvel and now, you know, like keeping 20th century studios and searchlight studios alive and using those to do their, you know, their indie films and not, like they didn't lock anything away when they bought Fox. They they're still releasing this stuff. And I, I appreciate that. Um, in the end, it's all dollar signs. And, you know, we don't know their bottom line. It's, you know, it's a company that is going to do whatever the fuck they want. And all we can do is just try to enjoy what we get. Yeah, exactly. And going back to cancer, I know I tan- I'm on a tangent there. This looks good. Like Disney, if we're like kind of honing in on Disney here, right? They've been on a really good uphill animation swing. Yeah. The past couple of years. Like, I've really been enjoying what they've been putting out. And this looks like it's going to continue that trend. You know, it it has, like, the trailer had really beautiful animation. There's music. It has that fantastical story that we've come to expect with Disney. It looks like it's going to continue the trend. I'm, I'm excited for it. But, you know, like with most Disney films, just because of my age... I wait for Disney Plus if I can because it is getting at that point where being 28 and going to a movie filled primarily with children in the audience. It's kind of weirds me out personally. It's only weird if you make it weird. And thankfully, I have a you know, I have a buddy with a child, so I'll just go with him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we well you know, my sister needs to get these nine months rolling so I can be the uncle finally and just take my future um, niece, nephew, whatever she's about to have. I've, I'm like an, I'm an honorary uncle. That's the way I see it. I'm about I, I'm <laughs> eight months. I'll be an actual uncle. So good for you. I'm yeah. good for you. I'm happy about that. But yeah, I don't, you know, I read a cool, I, I read a profound line from a comedian a couple of days ago. It was, um, we all, what was it? We all get older, but it's up to us to decide if we get old. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. So I'm gonna go see the Disney movie. <laughs> I, look, I'll say this: I I have no issues telling people I watch Disney movies. They're like, really? You're almost like, you know, I'm I'm 28, right? And then yeah. they're like, you're almost like, I'm like, so it's a fucking movie, and it's a good movie. I don't care. It's like, yeah, I can sit there and watch, you know, fucking Hostel. I have sat through a goddamn Serbian film, and then I can turn around and watch, um, something like Encanto or fucking lion king it's not an issue for me i, I don't give a shit you're gonna have to after that nightmare <laughs> the palate cleanser but um <laughs> yeah i i got no qualms about it you know i love disney movies the lion king i can't make it five minutes into that movie without bursting into tears that movie means so much to me yeah uh, i, I yeah. mentioned it on uh the oscar sunday i did with you guys on toy story you know fox and the hound still that scene when um she takes a uh, the fox away and it, that the music playing you see that it still fucking gets me it's got me since i saw it as a kid and it gets me now as an adult to this day i, I don't know why it just does it every fucking time that's that's beautiful 
it's uh you know art is art the animate you know the medium doesn't matter to me whether it's live action animated you know what country it comes from good art resonates with everybody and i yeah i i love that that's why i you know want to include Encanto on this show. That's why you know I saw Raya and the Last Dragon earlier this year. Thought it was great. So yeah, keep it coming. Yeah. Hey, as long as Disney's like uphill uh animation renaissance, whatever they want to call this period, they seem to call each period something different. Or they end up calling this one. As long as this adds to it, I'm happy. I think they should slow it down with the live action remakes, but you know, keep them coming with the original animated ideas. I like that. Yeah. Slow down the live action remakes. Stop trying to capture parts of the Caribbean success with your other type of live action films and figure out your fucking Star Wars movie series there at Disney. You're doing great with the TV shows. Figure out what the fuck you want to do with your movies, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, the trailer for Roland Emmerich's newest disaster porn extravaganza, Moonfall. It's theaters February 2022. He's run out of shit on Earth to destroy, so we're going to the moon. Uh, I'm in. Like, yeah. he, you know, he's made a career out of this. He's the best at it. They're usually pretty damn entertaining. I'm in. I'll see it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I like his work. Independence Day is amazing. Uh, 2012, admittedly, hasn't aged well because you know we fucking survived it, but um. 800 million global box office. Hmm? View it as an alt history film. (laughs) Okay. But like he also did The Patriot, which is one of my favorite movies. So, uh, yeah, I I don't have a beef with with Roland Emmerich. I do love that he's embraced this and he keeps making, you know, he keeps destroying everything. I'm wondering, you know, what what monument goes first in, (laughs) in Moonfall? I don't know. I'm thinking like what's tall? I'm thinking... It's the moon, so it's the whole world. I think we're going to lose the Great Wall of China. <laughs> oh, God. What's oh, maybe that building in Dubai, the tallest building in the world? Fuck. Yeah. I've been to Dubai and I can't remember the goddamn name of that building. Something Khalifa, right? It's like the, the Burj Khalifa. Burj Khalifa. There we go. Yep. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. I've, in the movie, should go in the movie, not in real life. Don't let no. anyone. We don't have no. The uh, I I've, I have not yet seen the day after tomorrow. I think that's like the only one of his like big disaster porn movies I haven't watched yet. Uh, I've, I've seen that one. I'm very enjoying it, but it's been a couple of years. I saw it as a like a, as a kid. Yeah, I'll get to that. I I I did not enjoy Independence Day Resurgence, but nobody fucking God uh, no. Uh, so Moonfall, 2022 February. Mark mark the date. Hope the war doesn't end by then. Um, the new Wonka prequel movie has begun production with Sally Hawkins, Rowan Atkinson, and Olivia Coleman joining the movie as a 2023 release date. And now we've got a pretty decent cast on this thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like this, but I also, you know, if it succeeds, great. It doesn't matter who they cast in the movie. I will not be interested. Don't get me wrong. It's a great cast. I'm not interested in this story one bit. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I think Timothy Chalamet is the wrong way to go. I think he's too dreary. Like I want Willy Wonka to be somebody who's, you know, upbeat and optimistic about chocolate. And not <laughs> brooding about chocolate. Yeah. 
I think like Donald Glover was the other choice, and I think he would have been a much better, better uh, pick. Yeah, I would have been down for that. Uh, he probably woke up and was like, "I don't want to play Willy Wonka," <laughs> and, and went and did something creative. Yeah, he probably thought, "I don't want to step in the shoes of Gene Wilder there." Yeah, well, the only one that has perfectly played Wonka. Well, Tim Chalamet looks like you know he's playing a young like Johnny Depp version. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't, I've got such loyalty to the 1971 movie. It's I mean, one of my favorites. So I don't want to see it tarnished again. I'm about to say, if he looks like he's aping the giant Depp one, I fucking hated the giant Depp movie. <laughs> oh, Wonka. We'll see. Um, time for lawsuits. Um, Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled their lawsuit with Disney agreeing to pay Johansson $40 million, uh, which is still kind of a victory for them because she wanted $100 million. Uh, yeah. They basically were paying her, like, the I think the amount that they she would, she claimed she would have gotten had to be in a theater. And that's right. They're paying her literally the amount she claimed she lost is what they're doing. I, I get, you know, you do a job, you want to be paid accordingly. I get that. But also, I refuse to have sympathy for anybody making $40 million. <laughs> yeah. And all this really successfully did, like, I don't, you know, some people are probably going to be like, well, this is a precedent. It's like, it doesn't say a precedent. It just means she's never going to be able to work for Disney again. And at the rate they're buying studios, good luck, Scarlett Johansson. Well, she's also, this proves her as kind of a, you know, I wonder if other studios are going to be like, I don't want to risk inciting a lawsuit so maybe she might not get a lot of work from other studios because of this yeah i think this is going to backfire on her like because like the thing is like it'd be one thing if i mean she if like black widow was bombing right like it's fucking just bombed because of this thing but it didn't it was still a pretty damn successful movie true but it wasn't mcu successful because of the pandemic right and it's like I don't know. It, the whole thing was terrible, and I, I, I'm like you. I get it. She did a job. They agreed so much money. They did not borrow to renegotiate the contract, which is real shitty on Disney. But you still made millions of dollars off this movie. I think your mansion's still fine, Scarlett Johansson. Between her, you know, giant. You know, paydays from all the other MCU movies, plus all the, you know, Ghost in the Shell and all this shit she does, plus Colin Jost's, you know, SNL paycheck. I think they're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, now for the big news. Um, I hope I get this right. This has been in the works for quite some time now. Finally, the long gestating Friday the 13th lawsuit between director Sean Cunningham and screenwriter Victor Miller has resulted in a victory for Miller, uh, setting a precedent for screenwriters to claim copyright over their creations, which is great. Uh, good job, Vic. <laughs> maybe this means, you know, maybe this means we'll finally get some more Jason. Uh, it, I mean, it ultimately does, but so like, okay. Uh, I know Josh mentioned when we were group task, te- texting. Uh, Larry Zerner, he played Shelly in Fire 13 part three. He's okay. an entertainment lawyer. And anytime the decision like this has been put out, and throughout any update on this case, he's actually gone to Twitter to simplify it for everyone else, basically. So oh, that's great. What's going on? Yeah. 
Um, it was actually funny because it happened and he actually truly was like, hey, I know it just hit. I got to go walk my dogs. I'll explain when I get back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I he, love that. Yeah, he explained it and it did, it's basically looking really, really good is what he said. Uh, he said by this, like the court, it went. this was the second circuit court that made this decision. And basically it, they made the exact same decision that the first circuit did because that's what happened. Like they said, Victor Miller, you know, you all, you know, you, you get this. And then Cunningham, you know, he has, I mean, he's been attached to horror films, but this is his biggest fucking money-making franchise. He was trying to fight that and say no, but second circuit sided with first circuit in turn siding with Victor Miller again. And what Larry Zerner was saying is that if he really wanted to, Cunningham can go to Supreme Court with this, but there's very little chance Supreme Court's going to care enough to look at this. No, I feel like they're petty enough these days to take anything. Or and he's like, well, no, he his thing was like, even if they do take it, he goes, they're going to side with their two circuits. He's like, there's no chance in hell they're going to magically side. He's like that because that's what they're going to look at. And he said they would look at the case that set the president for this years ago that got this fucking law into action. They would look at that and go like, no, he, Victor Miller's in the right here. So he goes like the point of like, he goes basically by them agreeing with the First Circuit and siding with Victor Miller, they're kind of telling him like, you're done. Like he got it. Like you don't appeal this. We're done. Like we're done with you. <laughs> you know I mean? like they're trying to tell them, like the legal process is over do not you dare appear because we are going to keep agreeing with victor miller well that's great i feel like it didn't need to take a decade but good for it them didn't. now the only reason that it could take a while for us to still get a movie is because victor miller got the domestic rights which he was seeking he got domestic rights cunningham still has the rights for adult jason like the sequels onward so like victor miller got that first movie rights domestically Cunningham still owns rights to the foreign, um, the international stuff, for all the films, and then domestic from sequel onward. So he actually technically has the rights to the adult Jason character. Because that's when he popped up in the sequel. So now what needs to happen is that these two need to get into room and hash it out on how that money is going to get split on a new movie. That's the next thing. Not necessarily a legal in-court issue, but they need to come to terms on like how the money is going to get split up. So that's why I know Josh mentioned in the studio. I'm not worried about a studio. I think the studios are going to be pretty quick to want to come to an agreement to get a new fucking Friday 13th out. It's them probably having to work with these two guys that just got done with the court process and now have to come together to figure out how we're going to split the money when we do this new movie. Okay. It might've been premature to call this a victory. This it sounds is. like a pain in the ass. It's a victory. Because it means we'll finally, it should finally get out of court. It's just now we got to get them to the next last hurdle. Well, good luck. Uh, I'm sure the studio, you know, with the success of Halloween and kind of a boom of, you know, old favorites these days, I'm sure are really itching to get Jason out there again. So, yeah, they let's were, hope. They were, they were itching before this went down. I remember I was actually hearing about Friday 13th getting made before this and they were trying to rush it before because they knew this deadline was happening that was going to court so they were like trying to be like let's get one out real quick before they fucking this gets dragged out because they knew this was going to happen 
and it didn't happen in time, unfortunately. And then it went into court. So like they were itching before it. And like, yeah, I'm sure with the success of Halloween, with the uh, reported projected success of the upcoming Halloween, although favorites coming back, um, I am sure they're itching. The studio's like, we want to get a Friday 13th out. So I'm sure they'll probably press those two to be like, you guys need to make up a fucking deal so we can get a goddamn movie out. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so, you know, look that up if you uh, want more information on it. We're giving you like bare bones here. But um, yeah, it's looking like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's progress. It's good progress for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. It's a major legal win to hopefully get us uh, that much closer. Yeah. And, you know, Friday the 13th, one, you know, a horror classic we still have to tackle on the film Gasm podcast have yet really, we've not yet touched Freddie or Jason, which is funny, you know, we're over 150 episodes in have yet to go there. No. Um, so we'll have to you know maybe 2022 yeah and it, it, the other reason they don't think it should stay in court long uh, the lawyer that's attached to this case he's itching to get done with it because he has to go jump on the recent uh marvel suit sue that uh that's happened um he's actually the lawyer assigned to that so he's itching to get done with this case and close close it so he can go jump on the fucking the next big one for him yeah, I've got mixed feelings about that case. Um, you know, I love the MCU, but I also don't want Disney to fuck over these, you know, creators. So I just, I don't know where I stand on that. Yeah, it, God, it's like a great time to be alive for like horror and comic book fans and at the same time the worst because it's like all that, all that happens with these cases, right? That bugs me so much, especially with this Friday 13th one no one wins i don't understand why these two guys want to track it out so long because no one wins you're not you're not getting more money because you're not getting a new movie out i'm like cunningham you'd make more money if you stop this court bullshit and got with them to make a new movie and then you just have more money in your pocket i was like yeah. same with you cunningham uh, victor miller like like talk to the guy figure out what the hell's going on both so both of you can start making money like and then, like, yeah, the fans were hungry for a new one. The fans want a new one. Based off the 255 million fucking box office of Halloween 2018, the fans want to see the, the you know, the heavy-hitting slasher greats come to the big screen and do their fucking thing. They want that. They're itching for it. So hurry the fuck up so we can do Friday 13th. Because no one's winning right now. Yep. Well said. I know I've gone on record in the past saying I don't really care for that franchise. And I don't really, you know, slasher films themselves are kind of not my bag, apart from a few exceptions. But I do, you know, feel for the fans. I, I want them to have another one. I want this shit to end. So I want to see Jason on the big screen in my life, just like I'm, I'm about to see, just like I'm about to see Michael Myers twice now, because I already got my fucking ticket for Halloween Care Kills. I'm that excited. Yeah, I've, I've only seen Michael on the big screen. I didn't see, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, here's open. I think it'll work out. It's gonna work out. I yeah. mean, we're at this point now. Yeah, like I said, the them getting done with the this this hurdle on it, what should be a closed book on the court proceedings, at this point is huge because you know I I really do get the feeling that once they get essentially turned over to the studio, that's the studios are going to put some pressure on them. I really feel like a producer's gonna be like, you guys have to figure this fuck out. 
now because we want a movie. Good. Um, so that's what happened last week in film. Um, before we get into Venom, there's two other films that uh, we want to talk a little bit about. First up, The Guilty on Netflix. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, directed by Anton Fuqua. Uh, I got to watch this uh, a couple days ago, and it was considerably better than I expected. It's a remake of, a, uh, I believe, a, a Danish or a German film of the same title from 2018. And uh, Anton Fuqua just seems to be in kind of a remake zone right now you know the equalizer and the magnificent seven and you know i don't know i'm not saying it's bad it's just weird yeah but i'll say i liked i liked both magnificent seven and um equalizer i thought those were fun movies yeah i did too i like southpaw um i did not enjoy infinite but you know that's its own thing i haven't seen that yet but i know how much you hate that movie oh my god yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts on Infinite, go back and listen to the episode we um, that we did on In the Heights. I believe that's when I went off on Infinite. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Anyway, The Guilty uh, follows Jake Gyllenhaal as a 911 operator, a um, demoted cop who fucked up bad. You don't find out what he did till the end of the movie, but he's on desk duty, and his court date is tomorrow. And uh, he gets a call from a woman who is in the process of being kidnapped. And he goes above and beyond to help this woman. And it's Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic. Uh, he's the only real character apart from the like background cops in the, uh, in the, the bullpen. Uh, this was filmed in 11 days during quarantine, which is impressive. Uh, a lot of Anton Fuqua's people like Peter Sarsgaard and Ethan Hawke play the, uh, the, the phone call people. And it's just Jake Gyllenhaal watching him kind of have a little bit of a redemption after what he after he fucked up as a cop. And it's it's very well done, very intense, uh, unpredictable, hell of a twist at the end. And I really liked it. So eight. Yeah. yeah. Damn, that's nice. Uh, I didn't have a would be visiting family and stuff on vacation. I just didn't get a chance to see this one. But I mean, it looked good to me. I, I did see a lot of early reviews for it, kind of saying the same thing, like actually saying it's not a bad movie. Um, like I said, I like Antoine uh, Fuqua. I like Jake Gyllenhaal, minus his non-shiring habits. Um, yeah, all that shit was in the reviews, by the way. Was it really? All over the place. Letterboxd, it was like, so this is why he wasn't showering and shit like that. <laughs> it's, it's funny. <laughs> this is never going away. You, no. if, you're, if you're famous and you tell the world that you don't bathe, we're not going to forget that. <laughs> yeah, because it's gross. But at least 99% of the population heavily believes in bath. 0.5 are just in a point in their lives that they can't and, you know, God bless whatever, whatever you're at in your life that you can't fucking shower. And then there's now we've learned a new 0.5%. And that is the trade challenge as well, that they can shower they have the ability to shower. They just don't want to shower. Yeah. And they treat it as some big revelation about who they are as people and how you can live your life like that, too. And we're like, no, we can't. We'll get fired for stinking up the office. So, you know, shut the fuck up and take a shower. I can't believe we're talking about this again. <laughs> but it's just it's it keeps coming back. Mostly because I like bringing it up. Cause... Yeah. Well, it's it's outrageous. <laughs> like This is. This is 2021. This is, we're almost in 2022. And there are people out there who just don't shower because they think it like fucks up their chi or some shit. I don't get it. 
Look, if the rock can shower three times a day, you have zero excuse. That man works out, is prolific as fuck. So you know he's doing a bunch of movies and working long ass hours. Yeah. And still finds a time. And he now has a child at home. And he still finds the time to shower three times a day. That's because the rock, even though you know he's like the highest grossing movie star on the planet. Uh, you know, an action superstar, a, a, you know, a wrestler. Uh, I think he's got his own brand of tequila now and a father. He's also a pretty down to earth human being. Who I, I think he realizes, you know, he's famous, but he's not, you know, he's still human. And I like that about The Rock. He seems approachable. Jake Gyllenhaal. And I don't remember who else was it. I think Natalie Portman. I believe one of these. I know Mila Kunis and Ashley Kircher mentioned they don't like to bathe their children until they stink, which was disgusting. <laughs> I think that's who it was. Yeah. I'm sorry, Natalie Portman, not you. But <laughs> yeah, those people. It, it shows me, it shows to me that they are detached from the way the world works. And that's just unfortunate. Yeah. Which those two surprised me because both of those start, neither one of them were born in like rich families. Like they start out with nothing. Well, I mean, to their credit, you know, you become wealthy as fuck. Who's going to tell you to take a shower? <laughs> Nobody. They're going to get fired. I would. I'd take that fire. I'd be like, no, I need to stand my ground on something, and that's a shower. <laughs> God, there'd be a movie made about you. <laughs> be on the news, fucking shower gate. Uh, anyway. The Guilty is a pretty good movie. Uh, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Netflix original. One of their rare good ones. And uh, yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah. You know, after a long work day, go home, take a nice shower, <laughs> pop popcorn, get yourself a nice soda or beer, whatever you choose to drink, and watch that movie. Yeah. And then, you know, when it's over, take another shower. <laughs> just, just, just for, just to spite them. <laughs> Just, you know, one for you and one because fuck them. <laughs> You're just in there, not even soaping up. Just, I'm just doing this to spite you. I'm not even wanting to be in this shower right now. Like, laminate a picture of Jake Gyllenhaal and Mila Kunis and all these people who just don't bathe and just tape them up in the shower. And maybe through some voodoo magic, we'll get a little clean. Oh, my God. All right. Moving on to one of the biggest disappointments of the year for me, anyway, the many saints of Newark. But to uh, change perspectives, because we're both disappointed in this movie, I want to point this out. Very interesting perspective you're going to get here. Yeah, because I am a longtime Sopranos fan, and Caleb has never seen the show. But we both came away from this not enjoying the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Begs the question, who was the audience? <laughs> who was the intended audience? If people who didn't see the show and people who did see the show both don't like it, who the fuck is this for? <laughs> There's only two groups of people in the world. People who saw The Sopranos and people who didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, anyway. I'll let you go first. Take it away. <laughs> Oh, boy. So The Many Saints of Newark, available on HBO Max for the next month or in theaters if you really want to pay that money. 
And uh, this is the story of Tony Soprano for about 10 minutes that aren't connected. <laughs> and that's my biggest problem with the film. Uh, this was billed as the origin story of Tony Soprano. Like, where did, you know, this doughy-eyed little kid, when did he become a cold, hard gangster? And we don't know, because this is really the film about Dickie Moltisanti and his decisions in life that led to his own death, because that's the Sopranos. And he's kind of a legend in the show. He's often talked about, you know, as the influence that Tony had the most, because his dad was always in jail and he hated his uncle Jr. So Dickie was there to kind of guide him through life. But in the, we, as we see in this movie, not really at all. Um, there's so many unnecessary subplots involving like, you know, Dickie's Gumar, who was his ex-stepmom. I just like, why bother with that? Like, why make that as weird as possible? <laughs> uh, Ray Liotta and his twin brother. Um, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. and whatever the hell he's doing. Uh, just everything but Tony Soprano <laughs> is given focus in this movie. And it's infuriating. It's just, it doesn't feel like the Sopranos. It feels like a lukewarm Goodfellas knockoff. And that is unfortunate. So I just don't know what happened here. Uh, did it just stay too long in production hell with a wrong, like did they get the wrong writers from the show or not any writers from the show? I didn't look into that. Um, and I just, I, I walked away thinking like that should have been so much better than it was. And uh, yeah, I'm think I'm going to give it a six. So. Yeah. All right. As the newbie, as the newcomer, um, for me, like, you know, when you're making a movie like this, you should make it in mind. Obviously, you know, you're going after your longtime fans are dying to see this movie. I to get things that were from what I've been told by you were just talked about in the show. We get to see it now. You guys get to see it now. And for someone like me as a newcomer, I'm the audience that you're trying to convince Hey, you haven't seen the show yet? Well, watch this movie, and it might you might rush to see that show now. You might watch it that much quicker, right? Because this movie blew you away. You're seeing, and it's a prequel. It's a great jumping in point. You know, it's not like you need you don't need to see the show. You can watch this first and then hop in the show easy. So for me, I was like, okay, I haven't seen the show, but this still looks really good. I like my I do like my gangster films. I'll give it a shot. Like you, why the fuck it was marketed as Who Made Tony Soprano? Who I'm very aware. I know I'm a newcomer. I'm very aware of the show. I'm aware of what it did for HBO, what it did for TV at the time. I am aware of the iconic status of Tony Soprano and, you know, the late, great James Gandolfini. Yeah. So seeing, like, you market towards this character that's a main character that fans love, that's iconic... And then you completely say that's only 10 minutes of your two-hour movie. And we want to do on Dickie, who the actor, I'll give him credit, was great. I like the actor. But from how you told me he's built up in the show, he's so fucking forgettable. He's so fucking generic in a very generic mafia movie. Yeah. And and it was like, why did you go this route? Because anytime it went to Tony Soprano in his life with, uh, you know, John Bertha playing his dad and Vera Farmiga playing his mom, I was interested because you could kind of, to me, I'm thinking that's why he became it. His dad was in and out of and came off the vibe being a real asshole. 
and his mom clearly wasn't needed to be on medication but wouldn't be on medication like, oh yeah right here where i'm seeing like i can see where he would become that and then yeah maybe with this outside influence of dickie being directly connected as well to the mob but that happens fleetingly and then it goes back to dickie's story and i'm immediately bored i think that david chase banked hard on fans just being happy to get anything like oh there's michael imperioli returning to do a, a narration oh look it's saturali's pork store oh look it's uncle junior like we would just be so distracted by the fact that we were seeing things from the show that we would ignore how boring this movie is and no you can't trick me like that no and it's not working because even for like the i know they've been having issues with box office with you know same releases with these like HBO Max theater releases, but mm-hmm. this is doing really bad. Like Godzilla it, did all right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this one's really like this one's tanking. Like Venom beat the goddamn movie. Like so clearly it's not working because people are watching and going, yeah, don't check out this movie. And not only that, but like the very question it asked, right? By then the movie. I don't know about you, but I sat there thinking there's nothing you've shown me to make me go, yeah, he's going to be a fucking mafia boss at the end of it. Because it literally ends with him being emotional, throwing the speakers out the part, which I did laugh at. Sean Burr what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) Yeah, the one thing this film has going for it, I I think the cast is great. Um, Particularly, Corey Stoll as Uncle Junior did such a fantastic job. He sounded so much like uh, Dominic Chinese who plays him in the show. And I thought his mannerisms were perfect, like well done there. Uh, and yeah, I thought, you know, Michael Gandolfini channeling his dad, he did a good job. I believed his bit as, you know, a young formative Tony Soprano who has not yet become jaded towards life and, you know, prone to panic attacks. So yeah. I, I like that, but again, you don't, you don't buy the um, the growth. You don't buy the origin. Like, there's no way this is the guy who runs Jersey in the 90s. Yeah, it literally ends with you th- him saying, I don't want any part of it. So you're like, oh, so he doesn't do it. Like, yeah. how, how do you make that fucking leap from he clearly doesn't want to be in it? And they're not even talking about him being in it throughout the movie. They're talking about him having his fucking civilian life. Like, they're very open about him wanting him to not do it. Yeah. I mean, he wants to be, you know, in football, but, you know, he doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete, as Uncle Junior says in this movie. And it's a it's a great callback to one of the best moments in the show. It's when um, towards the middle of the show, Uncle Junior starts um, having dementia and he gets caught on constantly telling Tony that he, he didn't have the makings of a varsity athlete. He says that to him like three times. And on the third time, Tony loses his goddamn shit. And like flips a table and leaves the leaves the house, <laughs> and it's it's a great moment because he doesn't realize Junior has dementia. He thinks he's just insulting him deliberately, constantly, <laughs> and it's it's awesome. So the fact that Corey Stoll said that in the movie gave me a chuckle. And that's what I say. Like you, I could tell there's definitely moments where they were like paying attention. Um, yeah. I did read up that when he says your uh, your sister's con, uh, apparently that's from the show. Yep, that's one of his big like random outbursts. Yeah, so it's like they're clearly like there was clearly it's there, like it was there for fans and non fans to enjoy, but they just didn't go all the way with it. 
Yeah, so there's this line of dialogue at the funeral. Uh, his sister, who's like barely in the movie, she uh, makes a comment. She's like, you know, Uncle Dickie was my our favorite uncle. I remember sitting there going, I sat here for two hours and at no point did I feel that that was true. Mm-hmm. Tony's relationship with Janice is one of the most interesting parts of the show because they fucking hate each other so much. Uh, she is constantly manipulating people to get what she wants. Family, friends, whatever. She's pretty sure she was in a cult for a while. Um, and she's just the worst person. And I just, like, you, you know, she never really talks about Dickie. So I don't know why they did that. Um, I just don't. Yeah, there's it doesn't feel like a part of the show. It feels like a knockoff. And I'm never going to add it to my, you know, I'm going to watch The Sopranos again. It's a great show. I've done it twice now. And I don't intend to add this to the marathon. Yeah, I feel like I, um, I know, like, me personally, I still have every intention to watch it. Like, this will not sour my taste yeah. in any way. Um, I do feel bad for a lot of longtime fans who might be in the same boat with me. They have a buddy. But they were like, hey, you know what? You've been wanting, I know you haven't watched the show, but if you're interested, let's watch the movie. If you like that, you can watch the show. And they sit through this movie, and both just are sitting there completely sad, disappointed, and mad. Both for probably for different you know, reasons. And then yeah. being like, you know what? I don't want to watch the show now. And you're like, oh. Yeah. I promise you, the show is engaging, hilarious, dramatic, terrifying, and awesome. I promise. <laughs> If my word means anything, <laughs> trust me. I I look the show's iconic enough. I'd have every intention to watch it. I like mafia films a lot. I I have every intention to watch the show one day. I won't let this sour it, but goddamn, this was bad. This was not good. I gave it a six as well. Ugh, what a bummer! I was this was I had so much planned for this episode. Like this was you know, ideally. This was going to be the movie we talked about this week. Um, Austin and I were going to do a top five Sopranos episodes. We we're going to go all in on this. And now I'm, I'm glad we didn't because we would have been so disappointed and this would have been kind of a shit episode. Yeah, I I mean, I look, I was disappointed, but I this is one of those cases where I do feel generally bad for the fans that waited so long for this and were like dying to get this finally. And then they finally got it. And it's just, and then I think what's worse is to me, like the director went on, you know, we talked about, he was one of those that was really going hard about how he hates that it's going to HBO Max. I'm sorry, dude, this. Yeah. David Chase was, he was the creator of the show and he co-wrote the screenplay. He, he was not the director. Alan Taylor was a director. He was just kind of, yeah. My bad. I'm uh, I'm sorry. That's right. Alan Taylor was like real happy. I'll I'll get into his shit here in a minute, but uh, sorry. Yeah. David Chase. You know, made such a big deal about getting put on HBO Max as well as theater because it needs to be seen in theaters. I'm like, dude, the way you wrote this movie, this isn't good enough for theaters. This is a fucking HBO made for HBO movie at best. And yeah. even then, from what I've heard about the show, this is even this doesn't want an HBO fucking premiere. Like, no, you dropped the ball. And yeah, yeah. The, the director Alan Taylor doing good sitting there talking his shit about you know the mcu with um thor the dark Lord and all and how he almost quit directing and how this brought him back i'm like you still made a shit movie i was like i don't know what <laughs> going on there bud but 
Didn't didn't he also direct Terminator Genesis? Yes. This guy needs to go away. Yeah, he needs to he needs to stick the TV episodes. He's had a very fruitful TV career. I think that's why they brought him in for the movie. I believe he actually directed episodes of The Sopranos. He did. So yeah. and get a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. Also, he he's good on a small scale, but for some reason. He keeps giving, being given the keys to the kingdom with like big properties and really fucking it up. Yeah. Well, damn. Yeah. Well, you know, at least this week wasn't a total loss. No, but we had one that even made me happy. And I've voiced how I feel about the first one on numerous occasions. Yeah. Venom Let There Be Carnage is the sequel to 2018's Venom delivering on the mid-credits tease of Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy, threatening Eddie Brock with, quote-unquote, carnage. Uh, you know, thankfully, they got rid of your shitty wig, gave him some decent hair. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> um, and frankly, when I saw Venom in 2018, I remember thinking, like, this is going to suck so hard, it's going to ruin this character worse than Topher Grace did. I just know it. And then I watched it, and I'm like, you know what? This is entertaining. I'm enjoying this. It's not perfect, but it's it's a better Venom. It's an interesting Venom. It's a cool take on the character as being just a space loser who wants a place to belong. <laughs> that's that's great. And they just double down on that with this one. And I love the whole, you know, he's trying to be the lethal protector, which I love they kept bringing that up because that was his 80s comics run. That's Yeah, I did, I did catch that. And see, and I think that's also why I like this because I did like, I liked Venom's portrayal i liked tom hardy and i i liked their relationship i just i thought a lot of stuff around it was a very unconfident film yeah i agree with that and it didn't know yeah i did not know what it wanted to be it it just there wasn't they really found a good they they nailed venom and i and like you i like the take i really enjoy this take on venom but everything around it was like clearly unconfident to me clearly shot for an r-rated film but edited down for a pg-13 with how they were like cutting away from certain things i could it just to me felt like you clearly had something else film and you edited that out um well one thing that really bugged bo- uh, bothered me with the first one was how rushed the character development was like i never like it's like you know brock's like i have a parasite get it out of me and then like 20 minutes later he's like i will die for this buddy like he's my best friend <laughs> like when did that happen I but know. I don't, you know, I still I enjoyed it so much. I kind of didn't uh, care. Yeah. And I think and someone pointed out, you know, they're like, you know, I saw it on uh, someone point on Facebook, uh, you know, in a world where we're getting the pitch perfect male model superhero in every superhero film. Thank God we got someone like Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, who spends all of Venom just sweating profusely, doesn't once take his shirt off and it's fucking Tom Hardy, we know that guy can get fucking built. Um, and it's just looking like a stammering mess for almost two hours. And that's the kind of hero we got. And that movie made so much fucking money that we we just got more of it. And yeah, I, I fucking love this portrayal. And this sequel, like I said, it just it went, it hammered home and doubled down on everything I liked, but also with super confident direction. I love that. I love that you bring that up because Eddie Brock is, he's not a hero. He's a fuck up. He's a massive fuck up who really does ruin everybody's life, including his own so many times. And in, you know, in kind of venoms too. 
in a way. And but Venom needs him and he trusts him and he's like, you are my guy. Like we're, you know, we are Venom. Like, you know, you complete me. It's this whole weird, you know, symbiotic relationship that works because they're both such dip, like dipshit fuck ups that need a win. And in, in the second one, they get that win. You know, they have that massive falling out, which is hilarious, but they come together to do the right thing. And I love it. And I can't wait to see that version of Venom in, you know, spoiler alert, by the way, uh, from here on in, if you want to go see this, go see it. It's hilarious. It's great. It's fun. It's action. It's scary. It's everything. But we are going to spoil everything about it in about three seconds. So yeah, there's a teaser we're going to talk about. Yeah. Da, 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 da. All right. It's your fault now. I'm saying it. Venom is going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I can't wait to see this Venom interact with Spider-Man and fucking, you know, Ned and various villains and fucking anybody. I can't wait to see this Eddie Brock interacting with these people. Like that was to me some of the funniest parts of Zero when he's interacting with Venom or other people that are just like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, bringing that energy to this to the MCU is going to be so fun, especially since now we've got a Venom who's not really a bad guy. He's kind of an antihero, and to he's see, I wonder how that he's going to mesh with Spider Man. He's a lethal protector. <laughs> Exactly. But I'm wondering, like, is he going to be like, I got to help that guy. He's a hero, too. And I'm a good guy now. And Spider-Man's going to be like, fuck off. Like, you're, ru- you're making things worse. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I just I'm, I can't wait to see how that interaction is done in this in this world. It's it's the best time to be a comic book nerd. This is shit I never thought I'd get to see. Yeah. I remember when they first were like, you know, I remember the rumors were so rampant, right? About like, oh, they're going to connect it to the MCU. Oh, Tom Harrison spied on set during the Spider-Man No Way Home hat that only cast and crew got. Um, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. Everyone just shut the fuck up. And God, I, you know, Marvel, I don't know how those guys haven't lost their minds yet with the amount of, like, rumor mills going on in this movie. Like, but, you know, with all that said, actually seeing that scene and actually seeing it, I still got the biggest, goofiest grin in the theater when I saw it. I was so happy. I was like, oh, it is true. It yep. is happening. Because, <laughs> you know, Tom Hardy being spied on with a production hat can mean fucking anything. But in the film, seeing Spider-Man on TV in the movie, that is, that's it. That's, that's, you know, this is what we've got going forward. Venom and Venom, Let There Be Carnage are canon MCU films now. Like, awesome. <laughs> Welcome to the team. Welcome home, you know? Yeah, like, hell yeah. We, yes, they, they finally made a fucking deal. Sony's not being assholes anymore. They're not trying to tell Disney to fuck off. They're like, all right, let's just play ball. Because it's like they finally realized if we just play ball, we reap the benefits as well as Marvel. Everybody makes so much money with this. It's, you know, everybody wins. The fans, the studios everybody it's, it's, yeah, and it's beautiful it's paying off because it's being pandemic records and you'd think you know sony would relate to the venom movies because they're a parasite that's been feeding off marvel for god knows how long so you know i think that helps maybe they woke up and realized yeah we're the problem god damn you went there <laughs> yeah i fucking hate them so much 
for what they've done in the past. Yeah, I don't forget that shit. I don't forget how long they've fought Marvel over Spider-Man. I don't forget how they fucked up Ghostbusters. I don't forget any of that shit. Oh my God. Yeah, they go fuck themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, I needed to say that. I needed to get that out before I started praising this because, yeah, this is, you know, this is a beautiful work of art made by people I fucking despise. So, yeah, there it is. <laughs> that felt good. Uh, you think I think that's what happened one day, you know, the, these executives in charge of this were watching the dailies and Venom started talking about, you know, they, were, they started talking about parasites and how he feeds off of Eddie's energy. And I think somebody had a light bulb go off and be like, oh, God, <laughs> I got to I got to call Feige. <laughs> For once they won't force to make a deal. They just went, we got to make a deal. Oh, man. Um, So the big thing about this movie particularly is it's the big screen debut of a classic Spider-Man villain we've never gotten to see before, Carnage. Uh, One of my favorite comic book villains and a true scary motherfucker who I think, despite this being PG-13, was done very well. I I was, yeah, I was very happy. I was happy with both Carnage and the, uh, and Cleus Cassidy, mainly because they fixed that God awful wig that really, really got under your skin. It the fuck out of me. God, that wig was bad. God. Oh. <laughs> right. Uh, so just a little background on Carnage. Carnage first appeared in Marvel Comics in 1992 in Amazing Spider Man number 361 as the offspring of Venom that bonded with serial killer Cletus Cassidy. Carnage was such a powerful threat that Venom and his archenemy Spider-Man formed a momentary truce to take him down together. It's a three-part arc called Maximum Carnage that I have all I have all three and I've read it. It's a really good, it's a really good comic. Uh, just for Venom to be like, all right, Spidey, like I hate you, you hate me, but we gotta we gotta take this guy down. <laughs> like, no one else is gonna do it. We gotta do it. It's awesome. And I wanted to, I was hoping to see that, you know, happen, but then again, you know. Spoiler alert again, Venom did eat Carnage and Cletus Cassidy, so they're both inside Venom, and I think they're going to burst out of him at some point. Yeah, and also, I mean, they did at least do what they could with it, with the whole, like, as soon as he saw him and goes, oh, shit, and, like, goes right back to Eddie. <laughs> like, even Venom's like, I don't want to fight this guy. We are dead. I love that Brock's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, that's a red one. We got to get out of here right now. We are going to die. <laughs> I like when Rudy Hillison's like, woohoo, and then Eddie, like, just one minute, just give me a second. Oh, that was great. It sounded like Eddie was about to cry. He's like, you have to come out right now. I love how they're just like shitty roommates. It's it's so great. I, I love this back and forth. Like, Venom being his own person is such a smart way to go. It, I love, he's, you know, Venom without Brock was hilarious. It just like when he went to the rave and was like talked about like we need to be ourselves. You know, <laughs> we gotta be free to do what we want to do. And they're all like, preach. <laughs> just, like nobody realizes he's a fucking alien. They think it's a really good costume. <laughs> like Venom made him apologize. <laughs> I love that everyone is in on the joke. I love that ends. Um, husband is just like, what is going on? Are there going to be aliens? And he's just like, 
Even at the end, Venom's like, you're all right, Dan. <laughs> I like you now, Dan. Oh, my God. There's, I was laughing the whole time. It's kind of like, what hindrance, really? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so let's let's get a little, let's talk more. Cry. <laughs> so let's talk more about the cast and crew here. Um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage was directed by Andy Serkis. Who did who a previously oh. di- hmm? Sorry, I was going to say, who did a hell of a job. Much more confident direction. Holy fuck. What, yeah, a, I've, what a difference. The first one was done by Ruben Fleischer, who did um, Zombieland. So, you know, interesting choice. But I do feel like he was constantly told by Sony how this is supposed to work. Whereas Andy Serkis was making his own movie. And I, I, you could tell this, this film is so much tighter and knows exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's interesting. Cause this was only Andy Serkis's like second big project after Mowgli legend of the jungle, which uh, is all right. Unnecessary, but not terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Serkis is known for playing Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, as well as Caesar in the recent planet of the apes trilogy, uh, huge, you know, pioneer of mocap technology. And is now really trying his hand in directing and doing a fucking great job. Um, he's set to play Alfred in the Batman, and I can't wait to see that. But oh, I'm hoping, you know, him getting you know a little DC cred, maybe he'll be helming one of their projects in the near future. Oh, that'd be badass. Because, like I said, I, it, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put down Ruben Fletcher because I actually really like Zombieland and uh, Double Tap a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, but it did feel like he. Yeah, the studio stepped in on that movie and made the to me it made the direction very unconfident. That's where the unconfidence came in for me. Yeah, that the studio came in and doubted a lot of what he was wanting to do, and then he didn't even know because of it he wasn't sure what needed to get done. Whereas yeah. Andy Circus was able to go in there, the studio I think backed off a little bit more, or he kind of told me like, I'm making this type of film, and he was able to make a more confidently made film. And also, he to me he another slightly minor thing i had with the first one was that sometimes the fights with like the other uh symbiotes didn't always like blended too well with venom at times well riot is more of a knockoff of venom whereas carnage is more of his own character so i get that and yeah because they use carnage and also because he had like you mentioned he's a pioneer of mocap technology he knows cgi yes showed in this movie yeah he knew how to stage it so it looked nice all the time well the first film like you said was very much dictated by sony like this needs to work or marvel wins whereas the second one i'm pretty sure feige just walked up to the sony boardroom zipped down his pants and pulled out his billion dollar box office dick and said this is what we're doing laid it on the table (laughs) exactly it's like any questions I'm proud of you for using something I've said. Ah, yeah. It's, I just, I love that. I bet that's what happened. You know, if you look at the track record of both studios and who do you think is calling the shots now? Yeah. Foggy is like the nerd with way too much power now. <laughs> but it's power that he's using for good. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I would love just the thought of him just walking and going, because in my head, he has a humongous cock that he's laying on the table. Yeah. So it's just just boom and going, this is the movie we're making. And you guys need to back the fuck off from my director this time. Notice my director, not your director, my director. Fuck off. 
feel like he doesn't even need to say that though. Like I feel like the dick itself gets the message across. I feel like if you're if you're doing that, you're in charge and everybody knows you're in charge. Like right. that's what Lyndon Johnson used to do. What if he just looks at them and he's like, if you don't believe me, I will get hard. And then I was like, oh, okay, no, 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 we don't need that. Let's we believe you. He's like, he's he just zips trow. It's not hard yet. And then as he says that, the fucking table rises. And everyone just stares. And he's just like, so late September release. Let's do this. <laughs> You've got eight months to make my movie. <laughs> and if I hear one thing about you fucking with my director, the stick that's staring you in the face, it's going on your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. You know- he just walks out, doesn't even put it back, just walks out with his dick out. <laughs> he walks out. 20 seconds later, the dick follows him. <laughs> this man, I, I believe it. I believe the man, the myth, the legend. This, this guy, I, I don't know how he puts his pants on over the giant set he's got down there with what he's done with all this. I'm, I'm proud of him. If I, if I was a comic book, you know, if I... I'm a comic book nerd. If I had the power he had, I would be doing exactly the same thing with all this stuff. It's beautiful. It's a work. It's an ongoing tapestry of epic magic that he's done with the MCU. And now he's bringing Sony's shit into this and they should be, they should be grateful. (laughs) They should be grateful that he lets them eat the scraps from his table. (laughs) I feel like he was friends but whoever kept telling the Sony executive that kept saying no to like the Marvel deals in the past yeah. and the higher up at Sony was like, you go fucking talk to them and make a deal. I felt like he was friends with that guy and he was just wearing him down. Like, all right, look, I get it. I've been having to go to you. So they make the deal, but now we, I want, I want this shit in the MCU, man. You talk to your fucking people. I'll stay out of it. You fucking talk to your people. I'm talking to them. I remember back in the day, like I think Feige and then um, I think his name's Abby Arid. Uh, mm-hmm. They worked together on the Spider-Man movies and some other Marvel stuff. And Feige always wanted to branch out and connect this stuff. But that guy's like, no, people won't watch that. <laughs> and then, you know, Marvel bro- branched off on its own. Sony owned Spider-Man, Fox owned the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. They worked with what they had and the MCU came into fruition. So, you know, Maybe listen to the guy who wants to try something new. Yeah. It's amazing. There's so many times in like history, like the whole Netflix blockbuster thing. It's amazing. Had you just listened to Netflix, you wouldn't have documentary on their website currently, Blockbuster. With every giant success Marvel Studios has, he grows an inch. So he's he's rocking quite a python down there. He doesn't even go to work now. He just <laughs> It's too, he's got a wheelchair or something. Like he can't carry that around. If he gets hard, he's going to (laughs) die. He doesn't have to pay for fucking cocaine and hookers. They just come to him. It's like a, like a snake charmer. (laughs) 
Oh my god. All right. Moving on. This is this is great. Um Oscar nominee Tom Hardy plays Eddie Brock and his super close roommate Venom. Hardy was nominated for his performance in The Revenant and is no stranger to comic book movies. He played Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, also appeared in Mad Max Fury Road, Inception, and Dunkirk, just to name a few. And uh I fucking love this guy. Hmm? Warrior. I will not. Oh, yeah. Warrior. Good call. (laughs) I picked three. I picked three. (laughs) (laughs) I went with box office success. My bad. (laughs) I'm not the biggest Dunkirk fan, so I'm going to substitute it on my end. Warrior. Fair enough. Warrior, he's much better in. And that is such a blast of a movie. Um, Yeah, Tom Hardy's great. Um, Currently being pretty uh, coy about whether he's been talking to MGM about being the next bond. He's like, well, I don't know about that. Like just, just shut, shut up, go away. Stop, <laughs> d- d- avoid the camera <laughs> right now. Not, not, yeah. yeah. I love that for like a, a year now, people have been asking him like, so is Spider-Man and Venom? Like, how, how, how you doing with that? Like, are you in the MCU? As soon as Venom comes out now it's so you James Bond. Like, just will not leave this guy alone. So who are you next? We all love you, Tom Hardy. (laughs) He's just trapped in a secret-keeping cycle. And now, of course, you know, going forward, I'm sure Tom Hardy's going to be a major player in the MCU, hopefully. I hope so. I'm like you. I've always loved Tom Hardy. The dude's a fucking beast. He's awesome. I saw a photo recently someone took where he's, like, shaking the hand of a, a, a trainer at this building he was leaving. And apparently they asked him about that. They're like, why are you shaking that dude's hand? Because, you know, Tari's in, like, a fucking nice suit. He's surrounded by guys in nice suits. This guy's in regular clothes like you and me. Yeah. And he made the comment. He goes, because I was raised that you shake the hand of both the CEO and the janitor. And I'm like, That's God good. damn. Yeah. So he's, he's a classy man, too, I found out. Very classy dude. I like that. I don't think he should play James Bond, but I, I do like him a lot. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't think he should. Um, I was watching uh, this one group on YouTube and they were actually talking about that. And they made a comment, they was like, they're probably going to try to pick someone young and that can play it for a couple of roles. And I was well, like, you know what? they have a point. They probably will find someone that can do multiple movies. Yeah, but you got to pick a guy who you believe as a seasoned double O agent. Remember, Bond's not a trainee. He's not Jack Ryan. He's been doing this for long enough to be a double O. So you got to have somebody with some longevity, some, some age in their eyes. So right. you, I don't want like some 20 year old British kid. I want a seasoned veteran. Yeah, I don't, who can, yeah. I don't want a Tom Holland. Like at the same time, like my reason, like why I don't think he is much like I, how I don't think Henry Cavill was going to get it. It's because both of them, as we can now, and we can now say this with Tom Hardy and that tease and Venom, you know, in this movie, now they're both tied to major franchises. Henry Cavill is going all in on The Witcher. They got renewed already for season three, and season two has not come out yet. Um, you know, now Hardy, he looks like he's going to be a player in the MCU. He has confirmed he's signed on for a third Venom, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, he, both guys are committed. I do not see them really having the time for a fucking commitment to James Bond. A, I love that prior to Venom coming out, both Tom, like Andy Serkis has just been saying like, yeah, Venom, yeah, Spider-Man's in part three. Yeah, we're going to do that. And just like not even giving a shit that everyone's like keeping this a secret. Tom Hardy with the production hat. Like it was such an open secret that like should, like it was exciting, but 
should we have been surprised? We, we kind of knew, but, and also B I am, I'm saying it for years. I'm going to be saying it for years. I want Richard Madden. I think that's a good one. Cause he is, he does look like he could play a season, you know, been in the, doing it for a while, veteran type of bond and still at a good age that he could do a good amount of movies, at least four to five that they probably want. Yeah. And I don't see, like, I know Eternals is going to be, like have ramifications for the MCU, but how often are we really going to see his character? Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, considering the whole point of them was that they stay out of yeah. these affairs, that he might be able to honestly pull it off. Yeah, we're not going to get an Icarus movie anytime soon. No, and I always kind of assume with the Eternals, the Castle Point, they're not exactly playing that to be like the heaviest of like we're going to see these guys in a lot of movies because I don't see Angelina Jolie appearing in a lot of movies. I don't see Salma Hayek appearing in a lot of movies. So I always got the feeling that this was the cast of characters that we'll see probably in like an Eternals 2, a 3, a thing like that, but not in too many other fucking MCU movies. If Chris Pratt can do Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm pretty sure Richard Madden could pull off Bond and Eternals. And yeah. I think that, you know, he's got this, you know, he's young enough to do a, a, a few movies. And also he's got that kind of, you know, I've been through the shit vibe that I could, I would buy for a double O. So mm-hmm. I, I think he'd be a great choice. Yeah, he had that get, you know, I've been through the shit vibe. He had that down really well in the early seasons of Game of Thrones. When they yeah. were, he was doing the war. I, yeah, you, I believe that he would could easily be like a season um, type of, you know, fighter. And Absolutely. if you want to see him as like what he would look like suave in a suit, kind of debonair, watch Rocket Man. Okay. Yeah, he's a prick, but he's um, Elton John's um, manager. John Reed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've seen Eternals. What about his actual accent? I believe. I think that's oh, he, his he uses that in Rocket Man. He uses it in Rocket Man. Yeah. I don't think we've had. Well, no. Pierce Brosnan was Irish, and I think Richard Madden's Irish, or it might, it might be Scottish. I don't want to bank on that because I know I'll insult a lot of people if I get that wrong. Let me look that up before I make any commitments. I mean, let's be honest. How many actual British people has that franchise cast for Bond? Um. Everyone but Lazenby. Oh. <laughs> Wait, I said he's Scottish. Actual, he's Scottish. Okay. I said actual British like actors because Connery wasn't British. Okay, here we go. All right, let's go through this. Yeah, I, yeah. All right. Connery was Scottish. Okay. Lazenby was Australian. All right. Um yeah, I know. He lied his way onto production too. He said, like, yeah, I've done hundreds of movies. <laughs> he, he was a carpenter who hadn't done anything. <laughs> But he, he was handsome and he looked the part. So he's like, you're James Bond now. And he was like, oh, okay. Where's this kilt for an entire it, movie? His story is so fucking funny. Um, Roger Moore was British, I believe. Timothy Dalton, I believe, is British. Pierce Brosnan is Irish. Daniel Craig is British. So, okay. Few- right. yeah. But I mean, um, they always stuck to it so they could easily get a non-British actor. I know another name I heard for a while was like Idris Elbow was popping up. And I was like, I don't think he's interested. Yeah. In he turned it I- down. He doesn't want to be known as the first black James Bond, which I, you know, I, I get, you don't want that kind of hanging over you the whole time. Yeah, uh, I get that. And also I think I, I, I found out that he's like 49 and I was like, Holy shit. So that's great. yeah, I was like, okay. So I was like, and that, I'm sure that played a factor. Like he's at that age where it's like a, I don't see him wanting to be 
also not wanting to be the black first black trans mom, but having that commitment to that many films. Yeah. Um, yeah, Richard Madden, my second choice is Henry Golding. Uh, and then, you know, I in a perfect world, Cavill, but he's the Witcher. Yeah, I don't trust me. Cavill for me is like my number one in perfect world. I think he would fucking rock it. Yeah, but he would. We've seen him suave and debonair. We know he's a classy human being. We've seen the pump ash, action shotgun arms in Mission Impossible. <laughs> so we know he can kick ass. But yeah, to his credit, you know, he's doing what I really admire in actors with TV shows, like with the uh, two actors for Supernatural. He's staying committed to the Witcher. He loves the Witcher. And, you know, I love him in the role. So I'll take what I can get. Yeah. I hope one day he gets a chance to um, redeem his Superman because I never had a problem with him as Superman. He just got the worst fucking scripts. Yeah. And I really wish he had a good story because he could have been on par with Christopher Reeve if he'd gotten a really good Superman movie script. But no, nope, Zack Snyder fucked that too. Yep. And that's, I think that was the reason I really was down for him to play Bonk. So I'm like, he deserves it because, yeah, he got so fucking to me burnt with that. Cause it's like, so many people are like, he's one of the worst. I'm like, he is an awesome Superman. He got terrible scripts. Yes. Oh, well, anyway, Tom Hardy's great as Venom. But I don't know if he'd be he'd be kind of a rehash of Daniel Craig, kind of the same kind of gritty street, you know, blonde badass. And I I think they want to go in a little different direction. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? As long as he can keep playing Eddie Brock, I'm down. Because yeah. I, I just fucking love him in this role as Eddie Brock and Venom. Me too. Um, Oscar nominee Woody Harrelson plays Cletus Cassidy in his psychotic alter ego Carnage. Harrelson was nominated for his performances in The People versus Larry Flint, The Messenger, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Some of his other notable films include Zombieland, Natural Born Killers, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and The Hunger Games franchise. So he's no stranger to big production. Uh, and admittedly, not my first choice to play Carnage, but did a damn good job. Yeah, it looked like you were channeling his Natural Born Killer. Yeah. There was some Mickey Knox in there. Yeah, he was definitely channeling that, but you know what? It worked. Like, he... Yeah, because I know, like, he wasn't my first choice. I remember a long time ago when, like, there was, like, you know, the fan choice was Jim Carrey. Yep. <clears throat> Which I don't necessarily know about now, but back in the day, absolutely. Oh, we could still do it now. You he definitely could have still done it now. Um, Yeah, absolutely, but not, like... He knocked it out of the park. I really, you know, especially that they get rid of that stupid ass wig. I really believed him as the psychotic Cletus Cassidy. Absolutely. Like he fucking nailed it. And on the Carnage side of things, whoever did that voice for Carnage was good. I fucking like that voice. I like the design of Carnage. Like Carnage was fucking. Oh, I could go on all day about how great his debut on this movie was. Uh, I believe Carnage's voice was Harrelson. Was Harrison? Yeah, they they tweaked it like they did with uh, Venom. Okay, if so, he fucking he, his voice for that was perfect. See, that's that's the one thing I didn't like about Carnage. I didn't like the voice. Uh, but admittedly, that comes from my own expectations for Carnage because I grew up with the Spider-Man cartoon and the Spider-Man PS One game, and in that. So the way I see Carnage, he's got this kind of like menacing Joker style voice of like a crazy person, you know? 
So mm-hmm. I was expecting kind of a off the wall, like light, kind of a bouncy, crazy voice. Instead, he sounded kind of like a, you know, a dark, heavy thug, which was fine. I just, I, I was hoping for kind of a crazy, you know, nostalgic carnage. Okay. See, I, I didn't mind the dark, heavy thug because it meant it to me, it worked with the character from the movie. It made him scary because he has such that deep commanding voice that it was like, I would be scared of that if I fucking saw that. I loved how Carnage came about when he bit Brock and just like he, you know, a little tiny bit of symbiote and he fucking ate it and it just grew inside of him. Like that was really cool. Like I love how they did that because in the comics traditionally, you know, Venom is like Brock's kind of wearing Venom, but Carnage came from within. Carnage is in his blood. So that's why he can like form axes and shit with his hands and stuff like Venom can't do because Carnage is inside of him. And that was, that was done very well. So, uh, you know, like Andy Serkis, again, coming in with like that CGI, you know, obviously we already got Venom in the last minute. So we, I knew Venom was going to look good in this movie. He knocked out of the park with Carnage. I think you know, Carnage just looked and sounded so fucking good in this movie. His introduction alone was so awesome. Just, you know, climbing out of the execution chamber and then roaring at the screen. I was like, this is motherfucking carnage. I had a moment of like chuckling to myself, like, holy shit, he's here. Like, it's it's crazy. The way they made it like a horror movie where it's like, it's just dust and the guys are trying to run out and they get pulled in. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is yeah and oh that whole prison sequence was out of this world good when he's just like escaping yeah (laughs) uh um moving on oscar nominee michelle williams plays Anne, eddie's ex-fiance and i also love how they're not pushing them together how it's not you know there's no love story like he fucked up she didn't forgive him she moved on like that natural progression of, of human beings and eddie's also he still loves her but he's not like bitter towards the guy like that he's you know he doesn't necessarily like dan but he's he's happy that dan's happy he likes dan more than venom does venom's like you know he wants all of his you know he wants mom and dad to be back together like that's funny like he's you know he's he's trying to live in this fantasy world and i love that they keep bringing that back yeah i love how venom's just kind of like no we hate dan Uh, I love when she shows him the ring and he's like, no, that was, that was supposed to be us. I like when he's like telling him, cry, Eddie, cry. He's trying We're to gonna make you cry. And Eddie's just like trying to stop it. That was so funny. <laughs> oh. Um, Williams was nominated for her performances in Brokeback Mountain, Blue Valentine, My Week with Marilyn, and Manchester by the Sea. Some of her other notable roles include The Greatest Showman, Oz the Great and Powerful, and Shutter Island. Uh, she's fantastic. I don't think she's ever really gotten her, her due. Uh, she's one of my favorite actresses. And uh, I, th- I think it's hilarious that she's even in these movies. She seems so far above this, but she's here. And she doesn't ham it up. That's what I love. She's great. I love how like her character at one point asked Eddie, like, is Venom still there? And he's like, no. And she does not believe him. She's like, no, Venom's fucking here. Like, you're clearly still with Venom. I love that these movies are like subverting all kind of the superhero tropes. You know, our hero is an alien monster that wants to eat people. 
and our villain is a serial killer who's kind of charming. And then there's the, the love interest isn't even with him. <laughs> it's yeah. like, this is ridiculous, but I, I love it. I, I love when she was like looking for Venom, like, and he was in Mrs. Shang. <laughs> and um, she's talking to him. And as soon as she called a man a pussy, she, you can tell that's when it clicked. She's like, that's not Mrs. Shang. Oh, the dance is like she called me a pussy. <laughs> like we're not gonna deal with that. <laughs> oh, God. There are no aliens. There's no more aliens. I love at the end when Dan tries to help and like lights Carnage on fire and is like fire. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Carnage is like not even affected by it. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Venom made Eddie slap Dan in the face. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Just walks away. Oh God. So I love so how so everyone's so everyone's so cool with the fact that there's an alien like being living inside Eddie, influencing his every thought and action. And everyone's just like, oh, it's just Venom. <laughs> like no one's weirded out by this except Dan. And by the end of this movie, he's fine. Yeah. Even Eddie's okay with it. Even Eddie has grown to like Venom. They're both, I love when they, they break up and they're both kind of like missing each other. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is, I never, oh my God. When when they announced this was an hour and a half long, I was like, oh, this got trimmed to shit by the studio. This is not going to be worth it. But this is a perfect hour and a half. It's as long as it needs to be and it gets everything done. It cuts the fluff. It's just the move. It's just story. It's just exactly what you want and nothing more. And I loved it. Yeah. I keep thinking about the scene when Eddie keeps running to throw the chicken out. <laughs> you wouldn't. I would. Don't you make me. When, when Venom just chucks the TV into the alley and he's like, no. <laughs> it's just, the guy's like, I'm going to call the cops. And he's, I'm sorry. Like, I like when Venom first sees him and he hears him smashing his motorcycle. He goes out there, stop it, what are you doing? <laughs> Venom's like, oh yeah. Like, he's so angry and just petty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. No chocolate. Can we eat Mrs. Shank? No, you cannot eat Mrs. Shank. <laughs> One of my favorite moments is at the at the beginning when um they're going, uh, Eddie's going to the prison to interview Cassidy and Venom's like, look at all these bad people I can eat. <laughs> and like, they start fighting and Eddie just yells, you suck. And the lady's like, what? And he's like, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> I think I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> just like, I, I don't know how to explain myself. <laughs> it's those little moments that I cannot wait to see in Spider-Man when he's just talking to himself. Is Venom going to be a fucking Avenger? <gasps> no. I don't think so, but I think he's going to bug about it. He's going to he's, keep... Yeah. He's going to keep having dialogue. We hear me like, I want to be an Avenger. Yeah. He is so absolutely going to want nothing more than to be, like, declared a hero. But the rest of the Avengers are going to be like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, you are a murderer and a monster. I think it's almost adorable how bad Venom wants to be a hero, but a hero that eats the bad guy's heads off. And he's so much of an idiot. He doesn't realize how bad that is. 
I want to see I in this in either Spider-Man, I think Spider-Man three, I want to see Venom like, yeah, him and Spider-Man are going to be kind of at odds at first. But ultimately, I hope he's the one who helps Spider-Man take down the, the Sinister Six and like he fucking eats Doc Ock or something <laughs> like because these guys are all one off appearances. They're not going to be back in the MCU. So why not have them go out in spectacular fashion? I want to see Venom eat at least one of these guys. <laughs> that would be great. What if he eats Sandman and like spits him out because he's all sand? I think one of the like the most perfect scene that sunrises who Venom wants to be is when he forces Eddie to go fight that like random dude in the alley. <laughs> and and he's like, she didn't want her help. She didn't know she wanted our help. She was she'll be grateful later. I love at the towards the end when Eddie acknowledges that they're the lethal protector and Venom's so excited about it. He's like, we are, we are the lethal protector. <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh boy. Um, two more cast members to talk about. Um, Oscar nominee, Naomi Harris plays Francis Barrison, AKA shriek. Harris was nominated for her performance in Moonlight. She played Eve Moneypenny in the Bond films Skyfall, Spectre, and No Time to Die. And the sea goddess Calypso in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End. And uh, she's creepy as hell in this. Um, I find it ironic that Carnage, like his host, is in love with a, with a woman who, can, who has the power to completely obliterate him. Which just annoys Carnage to no end. I love that he kept like I kept expecting Car- like Cassidy to like reject him over that, but the power was too tantalizing. Yeah, it was too too much. I mean, God, way too much power. I, I was waiting for Carnage to finally just kill her. Yeah, I was expecting that too, but then that would have been the end of it for Cassidy. He would have been like, "No way am I having any part in this." Yeah, well, and I, they made a good point towards the end, right before he did the lethal protector thing. Remember, Eddie tells Venom, he goes, see, we're symbiotic. They're not. Because even though, yeah, he's in his in Cletus, and Cletus' personality matches his carnage to a T, she is causing a rift that is causing them to not be symbiotic because he doesn't want anything to happen to her. But Carnage can could care less what happens to Whereas Brock and Venom both want to protect Anne. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I I never see Venom, you know, growing up as a Spider-Man fan, you see Venom as this evil entity that wants him dead, this monster. So to see Venom as a relatively good guy who just wants to do the right thing, no matter, even if it's fucking horrific. I just, I, I love that. I love their, their take on Venom. It's made this, you know, fresh and fun and enjoyable. And I, I think that's great. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I know, like, obviously, Venom is the bad guy in traditionally, but I love this take. And it's not like we're not going to get the bad guy Venom. Like, for anyone who played, who games and likes that's the Spider Man game back from 2018, Spider Man 2 is coming out and they've confirmed in that trailer we're getting Venom with Tony Todd voicing it. And that's going to be bad guy Venom. Like, that won't be the one we're seeing here. It's going to be bad. So we're still getting it. But we do get this fun new take on it with the movies that I have been really enjoying. And remember, you know, it's the multiverse. All of this shit exists at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, we'll have a what if where we get like evil Venom or something. Ooh, that'd be exciting. I look forward to that episode, hopefully in season two. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, finally, yeah. we've got. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Finally, we've got Stephen Graham as Detective Patrick Mulligan. Uh, some of his notable roles include Snatch, The Irishman, Rocket Man. And he played Al Capone on Boardwalk Empire. And uh, yeah, he's kind of a, I'll admit it, kind of a pointless character. But I like Stephen Graham. And also I found out that uh, Patrick Mulligan is the host of the symbiote Toxin, who I'm pretty sure is Carnage's offspring. So that's okay. why you see his eyes glow blue at the end. Okay, I was actually going to ask you about that because I was like, who's he supposed to be? When I saw that, I was like, I don't know who he's supposed to be, so I don't know what this means for me. Yep, I think Andy Serkis or somebody uh, confirmed that the villain in Venom 3 is going to be Toxin. So we're getting yeah, him. Okay. I Yeah, it, his role is not different from like what I've seen in other movies. I did like the part when it's after like Venom, the beginning when Venom almost ate him. And then and he has to fight with him in the stall, which was really funny. And he comes out and he's just staring at him. And he goes, I don't like you. <laughs> oh, yeah, their interactions were funny. I love that they were using the Daily Bugle newspapers. That made me happy. Oh, yeah. 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 I was good to see. <laughs> um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage has an IMDb score of 6.7. Rotten Tomatoes score of 59%. It's grossed about 103 million so far on a budget of 110 million. Nearly made its money back. Smashed the pandemic era box office record. Good for Venom. Uh, critics are giving it mixed reviews, but fans are pretty much adoring it. It's got an 85% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So critics, as usual, are just like it's popcorn fluff. It has no substance. Blah, 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 blah. Whereas fans are like, fuck yeah, carnage. So, and yeah. I mean, I got really excited on carnage for the line in the movie. Towards Let the there be carnage. Oh my God. <laughs> I, had like the, I got the hugest nerd boner in the theater when he said that. Oh my God. Yeah. There's a lot of moments in here where I was just like, fuck. I'm like, my inner child was like, it's carnage. Like, I, I had like, I was fanboying. It was awesome. Like, I never thought I'd see this guy on the big screen. And, I know. We, we got it. I do, yeah. think, I do think it's interesting with like, you know, usually in all fairness, whenever you just kind of make fun of the critics, they tend to kind of agree, like audience and critic scores tend to agree with a lot of MCU films. I think it's funny. And now we can say that Venom's an MCU movie now. Like it's it's there. That this is the one franchise that both films critics did not like, but audiences love both fucking movies. There's such a huge disparity, and I love it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Oh boy. So is this the I guess now considering these are MCU films? Are these the only MCU films with negative tomato scores? Uh, possibly. Unless, I don't know what critics thought about Iron Man 2, which is still like... 70s. My, oh, okay, I was about to say, that's like one of my top five ones I just do not enjoy. Yeah, I think they've all, like even the lowest ones in like the 60s, and I think that's Thor 2. So yeah, they've all been pretty critically acclaimed. Yeah, it's just Venom. But it's like, what what do they expect? Like, that's, again, where it's like, okay, critics, you obviously went in thinking this was going to be a different movie, whereas fans knew what we wanted, and that is, we want to see fucking Venom do this thing on the screen. Admittedly, if you don't know who these characters are, you're going to be like, kind of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I mean, and I can kind of see it with the first one, because, again, I am, like I've said, you know, I don't, things around the actual character and their his relation with Eddie Brock well, okay at best to me, but with this sequel, I don't see how you could hate because it literally took what worked, made that the movie, and also gave us Carnage. Exactly. I loved how Carnage is defeated 
with, you know, Shriek shrieking him down. And then Venom just picking Carnage up and fucking eating him. Also <laughs> eating like the symbiote like a fucking spaghetti. I also like that you got the one effort. It was, yeah. it was fuck this guy. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> just eat his head. If anybody deserves it, it's Cletus Cassidy. Yes, dear God. <laughs> but as I said at the beginning of this discussion, both the Carnage symbiote and Cletus Cassidy's DNA are inside Venom. So I'm wondering, like, is Carnage going to burst free at some point? And, like, is he going to be the sixth member of the Sinister Six? Ooh, maybe. Because now he's got a beef with Venom, and Venom maybe aligned himself with Spider-Man. So he's like, you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend, that kind of thing. Ooh, boy. I don't know. Dude, literally, like, everything we're getting from Spider-Man No Way Home, I, I anything can happen. <laughs> At this point, I'm... anything goes. <laughs> God. And it was already like that, but now with that tease, man, it's like, oh my god! And the tease, let's talk about that. So the mid-credits tease, we've got Eddie Brock in on vacation, and Venom tells him that the symbiotes have been around for billions of years, and he gives Brock a little tease of what their knowledge is. But before he can do that, Venom and Brock are transported into the Marvel Cinematic Universe by what I'm assuming is Doctor Strange's fuck up. Yeah. And they witness on TV Peter Parker unmasked and Jameson's report. And every comic book fan in the world lost their collective shit. <laughs> yeah, I lost mine in the theater. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I was like, I was, I had a smile. I couldn't move. I was like, oh my, holy shit. And then Venom licks the screen and is like, that guy looks delicious. Like something. He he recognize. I think he recognizes Peter Parker. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to find a way to breathe. It's going to be brief because I don't think they're going to abandon the venom that we've grown to love for these two movies. No, but they are going to give us at least a little bit of that old school comic book Spider-Man Venom. They're gonna fight. Yeah, they're going to give us that. They're going to give us that for sure. Gonna be a brief beef, but you know. Still going to happen, I think. This movie's going to be jam-packed. I mean, you've got potentially, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. You've got the original Raimi and uh, Webb. I forgot. Yeah, Mark Webb is the guy who did the Amazing Spider-Man movies. That's oh, cool. yeah. You got their villains. You've got Doctor Strange. You've got, like, so much happening. I wouldn't and, be surprised if this movie's, like, three hours long. Yeah, now we've got Venom, um, Daredevil potentially. Like so much is swirling around this thing. I, I don't know, but I know I'm gonna I'm gonna love it. I want to love every second of it. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I did like in the tease the little quick like the little coda the the punchline to the joke when the guy comes out of the shower you're thinking oh shit he sees Venom <laughs> it's just Eddie me Eddie just <laughs> yeah like, what are you doing in my room and he's just like. <laughs> I don't know. He's so just like jaded at this point. Like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> what a life Eddie Brock is leading. Uh, I did like uh before that when um he's having that speech with Venom at the statue and he gets ready to see the We Are Venom line and Venom interrupts him. That was great. What did he say again? Like, what did Venom say? I don't remember. 
I don't remember. I just remember like the way they did it. Like they build it up. It's a big moment. We are, and then Venom interrupts, and you just see it all deflate. Just I think he said like friends or buddies or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> but I was going with that, but yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I give Venom Let There Be Carnage an eight, and I can't wait for what comes next. Honestly, with a few more viewings, it's, it's probably gonna go up. Yeah, dude, I, I agree. Like, and it, you know, it could be because, like I said, I there were elements I didn't really enjoy in the first movie so much. Such an overall, like, big time improvement, such more confident direction. Carnage was fucking awesome. More of what I liked with the Venom relationship and just the characterization of Venom, you know, this portrayal that I'm liking a lot. And yeah, the tease of what's to come, probably one of the best fucking mid credit scenes. In a long time, in my opinion, in any Marvel film, I'll say it. One of the best fucking ones they've done. Um, Solid 8. And definitely, I'm with you, could go up. I've really walked away extremely happy with this movie. It's the first time I've ever seen a film get pulled into another universe. Like, <sighs> God damn, are, we got some creative geniuses working behind the scenes over at Marvel. I love it. I hope, oh. like, Feige is just sitting there with his new set of hookers and blow that he gets every single successful movie <laughs> and just sitting there with his however long dick at this point just happy just happy just ah uh, yes what was what number movie was endgame 24 i think so 24 25 all right so 25 spider-man 26 black widow 27 shang chi and i'm counting venom now 28 so we got a 28 incher going on here. And uh, so with Eternals and Spider-Man, he's going to be rocking 30 by the end of the year. And uh, now we're going to have to be afraid of, of him after that. I mean, those are powers no mere mortal should ever have. Like he is no mortal man. <laughs> Dude, I, I, God, you know, I really hope that whoever he has in mind down the road to take over for him, they do such as, as good of a job. Oh, I don't even, I don't, I haven't even thought about that. Like, is he grooming a pro, like a protege? Shit. Who? John Favreau. Ooh, that'd be a good one. But Please. is he, but he's about to say, is he in the Star Wars now? Cause he's been killing it with fucking right. um, Mandalorian. And I, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw that poster. Book of Boba Fett. I can't <laughs> wait. Well, that's him and and Dave Filoni. Like they're doing that together. So I'm one. I'm thinking like who who else in? We know. I don't know. It's probably somebody we don't know about. You know, I don't know besides Feige. Any producers in the Marvel there? You know, zone. We know for a fact it's not um, Kathleen Kennedy. She fucked up with Star Wars. Oh dear God! Yeah, no. <laughs> She's lucky she still has a job. I like how like Marvel, not Marvel, Disney, like I think I read some of that they're they're basically phasing her out. Like she's getting kind of like pushed aside. It's almost like the whole game of the guys are like, you fucked up, get out of here. I love that she delivered a three billion dollar successes and they're like, you fucked up. <laughs> Disney's definition of success is very different than ours. Yeah, well, I think in that case, when it is different. But I think in that case, it's them looking at not just the fact that, it, yeah, it made money, but they're also looking at the fact that there was humongous backlash. 
yeah, she's to blame, but also, you know, that there's Ryan Johnson and JJ. There's a lot of blame to go around there. But there you know, I don't want to get into all that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another, that's another day. But when we get to, well, when we finally inevitably tackle a Star Wars movie on this podcast, it's going to happen. Star Wars ain't dead. Uh, then we'll unpack all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next week is super special. One of the most anticipated movies in years. The final adventure of Daniel Craig's James Bond. No time to die. Finally hitting theaters this Friday. I cannot wait. Six years I've been waiting for this movie. And, you know, with the concert, this was the first one pushed when COVID hit last year. And it looked like this will never happen. Like, it just, keep, it just kept getting pushed further away. I felt like, you know, Sisyphus rolling the fucking rock uphill just to watch it fall down again. Like, I was never getting this. And here we are. Yeah. I'm so excited. You're not alone. I just saw today internationally has already made 119 million already yet to open in the states this is the movie that's going to change the tide of the box office all they had to do was give us james bond everything would have been fine (laughs) from the beginning (laughs) look at the money this is generating (laughs) oh um, found in this episode between sony announcing the release of james bond (laughs) this is i've often said like if i you know, if you take away every other movie of 2020 and 2021 and all I had was Bond, I would I would be fine. This is all I wanted. Uh, also coming out is A24's Lamb, which fuck no. Uh, I've often said, you know, I'm done with this kind of horror film, in, at least in theaters. <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know what? I know Blumhouse has a model that they've done ad nauseum, but I'll take their model over A24s only because their model is at least more fun and easier on my brain. I don't want to see Numi Rapace or Rapace. I don't know how to say her name. I don't want to see her feed a fake goat for two hours and then tell me it's a horror movie. (laughs) I just, I don't want to deal with this again. I'm not going through this again. And then, you know, people debate if it's a horror movie, if it's not a horror movie, and then those that don't want to admit it are like, well, it's elevated horror, because thank you for that, A24, you fucks. Yeah. So, also, we get on Shudder, VHS 94. Oh, there you go. That's the one I'm watching. Yeah. Uh, That one we will probably watch and discuss next week before we do Bond, but obviously, we have pretty high priorities next week for this episode. Yeah, I'm about to say, I, I told you I got my Thursday night ticket. Not even because I'm super excited to see it. I am super excited to see it. I have a planned uh, family seeing weekend, so I had to fucking get it together as soon as possible. I have absolutely fuck all going on this week that matters to me more than No Time to Die. <laughs> so I will be there Thursday at the, at the earliest showing. I'm going to enjoy every second of this movie. I can't wait. It's the longest Bond film. It's getting decent reviews. I I want to see how this goes out. Sounds like we're both seeing it Thursday, and then I got to figure out whenever I'm over at my aunt's when the fuck I can watch VHS 94, because I have been dying to see that goddamn movie. I just I, looked. It's sitting at 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, and I keep hearing that uh, Timo Chantos, uh, forgive me if I butcher his last name, um, his uh, segment is batshit insane. And this is the guy that gave us Safe Haven segment in VHS 2. And yeah. it's they, they are praising this segment and talking about how batshit insane it gets. 
Do you know where I can get a hold of VHS 2? Is that streaming anywhere? Let me look it up on uh, real quick. Right. I- I'll do the closing arguments while you look that up. Yeah, you do. Um, I'm gonna look that up. In the meantime, uh, obviously, you know, Bond next week. Uh, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or, of course, send us a message through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And that goes for all of our shows, uh, you know, Oscar Sunday, Filmgasm, even the Giggle Guys, and Sneak Preview. If there's something coming out that is, you know, a little bit lesser known that we might have missed, feel free to reach out and uh, point us towards it. Uh, if you want to support the show, I was going to say, also, if you want to check out VHS 2 in time for 94, uh, you can rent it from Prime for $2.99. Yeah. I'll probably do that. I own VHS 1 on DVD. I don't have two, and I would like to watch those two before I watch 94. It's been a few years. I'd like to revisit. I'm not watching Viral. That movie can go fuck itself, but I'll watch the first two. All right, hey, I'm with you. For the people who are listening, if you're interested, first two are great. Definitely watch those two if you can. You can skip Viral. It's not good in case you're interested in the new one. So just watch first you skip viral. It's fine. It's an anthology. You're not missing anything. Yeah. There's no thread here. Uh, if you want to support the show via anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider. All donations are appreciated. We, uh, we thank you. Um, if not, we thank you too. The fact that you even listen to us, we appreciate that. Uh, don't miss Casino Royale on Wednesday's Filmgasm and Skyfall on Oscar Sunday. It's Bond Week here at Filmgasm Productions. Uh, Caleb and I will be helming Oscar Sunday. Austin and I will be helming Filmgasm. So it's going to be a little switcheroo this week. Uh, have a great week. Keep watching movies. <laughs>